good morning again. So today we're gonna we're mixing mixing up the order of things a little bit uh, because we thank you want to we we want to spend some time uh, and we're gonna spend some time in the Word. We're gonna spend some time in prayer. Um, because if you were here last week, we sort of began talking about the focus of where we want to go this year, that in the Bible, it's, we're referred to as the bride of Christ. We want to become more like the church and the bride that Jesus wants us to be. And uh, as I said just a couple minutes ago, one of the things that we're going to be doing, we're going to be uh, reading through the book together as a church Letters to the Church by Francis Chan, and uh, I'd encourage you to be a part of that conversation, so to be reading along, and uh, there's some great ways to get involved in that conversation by joining a connect group, and so there's all those opportunities for that, because if, if we're not being the church that Jesus wants us to be, then we're doing church wrong, um, and the book in the Francis Chan book, and I'll throw out a Francis Chan quote from the book every once in a while as we read through it, just so it helps connect things. But in the book, in chapter three, he says, imagine you walk into a restaurant, you order a pizza. 20 minutes later, the waiter comes back and puts a plate of spaghetti in front of you, claiming that it's the best spaghetti that you'll ever try. Would you be happy about that? No, you'd send it back because that wasn't what you ordered. It wasn't even close to what you ordered. But he says, I feel like this is what we've done with church. God gave us his order for the church. He told us precisely what he wanted through his commandments in the Bible. But in our arrogance, we created something that we think works better. And that's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be some manufactured thing. Uh, we we want to be what God says that we need to be. So we're going back to Scripture we're, we're going to start with Acts 2.42 because that is what the church started by the apostles under the Holy Spirit's direction looked like. That's where we're going to start from. And in Acts 2.42, it says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Those were the four things that they focused on. Everything else flowed out of that. And so that's the four things that we're really going to be focusing on this year. And that's going to change how we do a lot of things. It's going to change how we do things Sunday morning and hopefully how we change and do things the rest of the week. And we're, so some of the things that we're going to change that we're going to be moving towards is more Bible in a Sunday service, uh, less sermon in a Sunday service, because if we believe that God's word is actually the word of God, spoken by God through his, his people, the inerrant, inspired word of God, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, then it makes more sense that we hear more of what God says than what I have to say. So uh, one of the other things, we're going to try to pray more in our services. So many times prayer is just kind of a transition point in church services where it's what we do between one thing and the next thing. But what we're going to do is we want to really focus in and dig in uh, to prayer. We're going to spend more time in fellowship, time with other believers, sharing meals together in each other's homes, taking communion together. 
spending time together because when we're together, we are stronger. When, when we're together, we're going to be able to encourage one another. When we're together, we're going to be able to challenge one another. And so today, we're going to step into that a little bit because that's what they did and that's what we're going to strive for. And we're going to start stepping in that, into that today because if you don't, you won't. It's just like most things in our lives. If, if you say, I'm going to start a diet tomorrow, then tomorrow will come and you'll think, okay, I'm going to start my diet today until you find out you're having pizza for dinner. And then you're like, well, it's not a good day to start my diet. And then you say, all right, tomorrow. And then you're like, oh, wait, tomorrow I'm supposed to have that. Okay, well, next week I'm going to start my diet. And then next week and next week, and you know how it goes. You do it, we do it with, with diets, we do it with working out, we do it all kinds of things. We do it with Bible reading, where we say, I'm going to start, I'm really going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to really dig in, uh, I got to start that. I'm going to start that tomorrow when I wake up first thing in the morning and the alarm goes off 15 minutes early and you're kind of tired, so you're like, I'll start that tomorrow. So if you don't do it, you won't do it. So we're just going to jump into that today. And... Uh, so what we're looking at is just becoming the bride of Christ. So that's where we want to start today is what a church looks like that's the bride of Christ. What a church looks like with the Holy Spirit living and working in its people. And so that's where we're going to start today. I'm going to start with Acts chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to read actually a good chunk of the first couple chapters of Acts so if you have your Bibles and want to follow along with me, I'm going to start in Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to end uh, actually a little bit into Acts chapter 5. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the board on the TVs behind me. Um, and by the way, as we're looking to read more in Scripture on a normal Sunday in service, uh, I'd love to get some more voices reading beyond my own. So if you would like to help out with that, there is a piece of paper on the information uh, desk in the back that says, I can read. Um, and if you can read, um, that's the only prerequisite. I don't even care if you read well. I mean, that's helpful, but, it, but if you don't read well... Uh, what better way to learn than to practice? Um, and we want to give everybody an opportunity to use their gifts. So uh, if that is something that you feel like you could use some gifting on um, and, and be a part of the church and take part of things, uh, there's, a, like I said, a piece of paper that says, I can read. So you just sign your name. And uh, we're, not, we're not just celebrating literacy, um, although that's a good thing. Um, you can sign up and with your name and contact information, and we'll let you know, and, and you can read. Um, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read some of the word for a little bit. Then we're going to worship, uh, do a worship song. Then we're going to read a little more. I'm going to give a little bit of message around what we read. We're going to worship again, and then we're going to pray together. And so that's how the morning's going to look. In Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phygra, and Pamphylia. Egypt and all the parts of Libya now near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before coming to the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with the joy of your presence." Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing was what to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When Peter and John were about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer, Barabbas, be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time he comes 
for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he said him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. If you'll stand with me, we're going to worship together. And then we'll continue. Stop the Lord all my 
seated. <clears throat> We're going to pick up where we left off in Acts chapter 4. It says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone in, living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in, the name, in this name. 
Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. A great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they'll carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events.
That's where we're going to stop for the moment. I'm going to take a short drink because that's a lot to read. So when the church, the real church begins, they're all devoted. They're, they've all given their lives to the cause of following Jesus. They're all allowing the Holy Spirit to have control over their lives. And you're seeing them doing all of these amazing things. I was just thinking about all the different times. Did you catch all the times people were in amazement or people were like, uh, let's see, filled with awe, utterly amazed, bewildered, amazed and perplexed. Over and over and over, it says how these people are just amazed at what the Holy Spirit is doing through God's people. And that's what was happening in the early church. And you have all of these things, all these great th happenings ha through the church in the believers. But then in Acts chapter 5, you get to this story of Ananias and Sapphira. And I, it always takes me back when I read this because it seems like God's kind of harsh, right? I mean, it, you know, they exaggerated. And yeah, that's wrong, but it was like on the face of it, it's like, well, you know, everybody kind of exaggerates sometimes, right? But they exaggerated, and that was wrong. And they lied to the apostles, and they lied to the church, and that was wrong. But here's the thing. That lie, it represented a bigger lie. That this generous gift that they were giving, and it was generous, but that this generous gift that they were giving was being given in the same way that Barnabas gave it. See, Barnabas gave it at the Spirit's leading. Barnabas gave it for the building up of the church to make the bride of Christ more beautiful. And so the Holy Spirit led him to it. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell this land. I'm going to sell this property. And I'm going to give it and, and people will be built up. Ananias and Sapphira did it to make themselves look good, to build themselves up. And what they were doing was they were trying to fake that what they had done was at the Holy Spirit's leading. The bigger is the bit. The bigger lie is: look at what God's Holy Spirit did through us. You're faking the Holy Spirit's power, and nothing will kill what God is trying to build. Here, nothing will make the bride of Christ more unattractive. Nothing will kill the church like a church that is trying to be the bride of Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. Doing it in our own strength and pretending that it's God's Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit doing it, you're just Ananias and Sapphira trying to make it look good. And I'm afraid too many churches have just been surviving on trying to make it look good. I'm afraid that too many churches have died or are dying or are dead inside because they're just making it look good with a manufactured, with emphasis on the word man, manufactured Holy Spirit. That's why God struck them dead. 
That kind of thing would have killed the church in its infancy. Because God's doing all these amazing, miraculous, astounding things through the power of his Holy Spirit. But if all of a sudden the church, the people in the, in the church start doing all of these things in their own power and saying, this is what the Holy Spirit's like, that would have ended the church. It would have killed it. Because it would have just been a man-made thing and not God-made, spirit-led thing. But did you, did you see as we read chapter after chapter of all of these things that were happening? Did, did you catch what the church full of the Holy Spirit looks like? People were healed. Demons were cast out. People, again, were amazed again and again and again. They were filled with awe, utterly amazed, bewildered, amazed and perplexed. People proclaiming the word of God and the gospel boldly in the face of persecution for it. When they faced persecution and hardship for the gospel... They didn't pray for it to stop. They prayed that they would be more bold. In Acts 4.29, they came together and prayed. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And what happens? Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. You can be bold. May we be filled with the Spirit so that we may boldly speak the word of God, whether that causes us suffering or not. Did you notice how many times they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and they were bold? How boldness and the Holy Spirit seem to work together. They seem to show up together. How often are you bold? When you read those chapters in Acts, doesn't it kind of excite you to think that we could be that kind of church? Don't, don't you read those things and uh, Peter and John go into the temple to pray and somebody's lame beside and they just say, in the, I don't have any money, but uh, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. When, when all of these things, them coming together every day to pray, all of these awesome things happening in the church, don't you read that and you kind of go, wouldn't that be cool to be a part of that church? You read those things and go, man, wouldn't it be fun to be part of the Acts church? And yet we have the exact same Holy Spirit today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God and the Holy Spirit is God. So we, we can be that church today. And it's not just for some of us. The Holy Spirit is not just something for some of us. It's for all of us. It's for each one of you. The power to be the bride of Christ. It was, it was for all of them. What, what does it say? Acts 2, 17 and 18. We read it. Joel prophesied. And I, and I love, speaking of which, when it says they were devoted to the word of God, how often 
they went back Whenever they were speaking to people, whenever they were bold, whenever they were preaching to people, they were always going back and quoting what the Bible said. In Acts 2, 17, 18, he's quoting prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. The Holy Spirit is available to you. It is available to all of us. Sons and daughters, men and women, young and old. We need to start believing and reminding our kids of their power. They don't get less Holy Spirit than us. So we need to start, stop treating our kids like they do, like they have less Holy Spirit empowerment than we do. That they can't quite get it because they're under 18. If you are under the age of 18, if you are a kid, you have the same amount of, of accessibility to the power of the Holy Spirit that I do, that anybody in this room does. They don't get less Holy Spirit than us, so we need to stop treating them like they do. If anything, they've got childlike faith that we lack. If you're under the age of 18, go back. I'm challenging you. Here's homework for you since you're used to getting homework. Go back and read those chapters that we just read. Because that can be you. In fact, it's entirely possible. Most scholars believe that, that at least some of the disciples were teenagers. Are you a teenager in the room? You need to go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And whenever you start reading about the disciples, think about you and your friends. They'll change how you read it. I also explain some things because sometimes the disciples act like teenagers. That can be you. That can be you in your school being bold. Some of you, you say, well, I'm old. And I'll let you define what old is. I'm not going to do that. But all that stuff that we just read, that power, that boldness, the generosity, the love, that is still available to you right now, no matter how old you think you are. Put it to use. God, God never in the Bible told anybody that they were too old. There were people that told God they were too old. I'm too old to have kids. That's usually right before God proved them wrong. So if you're old, get ready to have some kids. No. But if you're old, it is not too late to start having spiritual children that might be teenagers. What would happen if you took somebody who was a little older, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and had some wisdom, and had some, had some experience, 
And then you took a teenager that was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they didn't have that wisdom and experience yet, but they had crazy boldness and weren't afraid of anything because they didn't know any better yet. And you put them together. What could happen then? Ooh, I just got goosebumps. I mean, whoo. Then, then you have somebody with the experience and the wisdom saying like, okay, you know, you have to watch out for this roadblock and this, and this is going to be tough. And you have the, the, this teenager going, yeah, but I don't care. Well, what could God do through that? You start to see and you start to get that, that feeling like maybe, maybe that, yeah, maybe we could be that church. The, the religious leaders, it says that they realized in, verse, in, in chapter 4, verse 13, that they were unschooled, ordinary men. You don't have to have a theology degree to do this. John and I wasted our money. That's so sad. <laughs> the, the, the disciples didn't have any kind of a degree. They knew how to fish. The, the disciples didn't, didn't study. It says that they just recognized them as people that had been with Jesus. If you can be with Jesus, you can do the same thing the disciples did. You can be unschooled and ordinary. And God will use you as long as you have his Holy Spirit. You don't have to be special. You have to be filled. See, that, that's the church we have to be. This is the church we have to become. If we want to be becoming to our Savior and becoming to our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, this is the church that we have to become if we're going to reach this generation and this culture for Jesus. And anything less, anything fake, anything not born in the Spirit will die. It eventually will die. It will eventually kill us and it will eventually bring spiritual death to the people around us so we better be careful that what we're doing is in the spirit we have to be true followers of Jesus desperate for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit of God every day desperate for the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit of God every day waking up and saying Jesus I know that your Holy Spirit is in me because I believe in you but Jesus fill me up fresh Fill up my tank with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit came. It all started in Acts. When the Spirit of God fell, when the people of God came together and began praying. What did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1? We didn't read it, so... That's sort of rhetorical, unless you know it. But Jesus, it says, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says in verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, you'll be what? Bold. 
You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is one of the reasons why we have to be, part of who we have to be is devoted to prayer. Because the Holy Spirit came at prayer meeting. That when we pray together, the Holy Spirit shows up. And oh, by the way, guess what we're starting tonight? Tell me God didn't have something to do with that. That the day that we talked about this was the day that we changed, by the way, the date of the first prayer meeting too. Five to 545, we're gonna be here, we're gonna be praying. Join us, it could be good. But that church, that, that Holy Spirit-filled, enabled, amazing, bewildering church, may that be true of us. May God's Holy Spirit fall on us. Amen? May we be filled with Christ's Holy Spirit. Do you long for it? Do you long to be filled the way they were filled? Do you long for us as a family, as a body to be filled? Do you long to be together with other Christians, close Christian friends that can walk through life with you filled with the Holy Spirit? May the rushing wind of God's Spirit fill this room. May the fire of God come to rest on us. May we... All of us be bold as we become the bride. That's the word of God. We're going to spend some time now responding to it. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to worship. We're going to sing praise to God. And then we're going to spend some time praying together because that's what they do and that's what the church does. So let's sing together. Chasing feelings 
spend some time in prayer but I I would challenge you and it might be a little bit out of your comfort zone but that's okay um, that if you are able to kneel it, it's a sign to God that of submission to him and, it, and sometimes we also have to do things in our own bodies to help our minds understand what we're doing but whether you want to come in and kneel up front at the altar, or whether you just want to kneel right where you're at at your seat, whether you want to spin around and kind of kneel at your chair, the pad on the chair is nice to kneel at. Uh, we're just going to spend some time in prayer. And we're going to start by just taking time to thank God for who he is, thanking him for his love and his kindness and his mercy and just all of the things he is. So right now, just begin as you pray to praise God for who he is. Father, we praise you for your love. That you willingly went to the cross. Father, we thank you because you are good. You're so good to us.
for your mercy. Your mercies that are new every morning. Your mercy and grace for us when we sin. For your forgiveness. Father, for your power. We are just in awe of your Spirit's power. Now just take some time to confess any sin that you have in your life that you're holding on to. Anything that's going to keep you from coming near to Jesus today. Any bitterness, unforgiveness, any worry, any doubt. Just begin confessing it to Jesus. any attitudes that you have that aren't the attitude of Christ Jesus. Confess those. Father, I I pray that you would forgive your church For all the times that we do things in our own power rather than the power of your spirit. For all the manufactured, man-made things that we do that are things that haven't been by your spirit's leading. And now just begin to cry out to God for a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit. When you become a believer, his Holy Spirit fills you, but, but sometimes you just need to ask for that fresh filling. So begin to cry out to God saying, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Asking God to fill you with his Spirit. Father, I pray that you would send your spirit and come like a flame of fire, like a mighty rushing wind to fill our hearts, to fill this building, to fill this people that is your church.
Father, we need your spirit. I pray that you would come now and fill us. Just continue to cry out to God for, for more of his Holy Spirit in your life. Pray that God would do signs and wonders and miracles through his spirit at work with us. That our generation, that our culture might be amazed at his goodness. now begin to pray for boldness that through his Holy Spirit he would make you bold Father, I pray that we would have the boldness of Peter and John. That when we come up against resistance because of our boldness in the gospel, that we would be like the apostles and just pray for extra boldness on top of it. Now just take a minute and ask God if there's anything that he would like to speak to your heart. Sometimes 
The spirit comes as a mighty wind and a fire. Sometimes it comes as a whisper. Just ask Jesus if there's anything that he'd like to speak to your heart. Just pray the prayer of Samuel that said, Speak, Lord, I'm listening. He may speak something. He may be just quiet and want you to spend just a minute in his presence. But take the time to listen. Jesus, I pray that we would be a church filled with the fire of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we ask it and we pray it. Amen. We're just going to take a minute and just one final response to, to God in worship. If you'll please stand with me, we'll sing together. Who you are, who you are, 
You are way maker, 
Father, I thank you for this service. And I pray that as we leave, that we would leave as the church. Help us to be filled with your spirit, to be bold, and may people be in awe of you. In Jesus' name, amen.